Hello, coming to you live from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Her Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories from amazing women who have reinvented their careers or lives. Could be total changes, could be side hustles. I'm Stephanie Pierce, mother of three, wife of one, former corporate exec, and now I am the founder and CEO of StephPierce.com. And I am Julie Burton, founder of Modern Well, a female-centered co-working space in Minneapolis. And I'm the author of The Self-Care Solution, A Modern Mother's Must-Have Guide to Health and Well-Being. And I'm a mother and a wife. In each episode, Julie and I will bring you these awesome stories about the power, pain, and laughs that come from change. Are you ready for your next chapter? Hello, everyone. We're back. It's the next episode of Her Next Chapter. Hi, Jules. How are you? Hello, Steph. I'm good. How about you? I'm excited for our guest today. I am too. So as you probably know, those of you that are listening and paying attention, it's Black History Month. And we are so excited to feature some amazing uh, women. I call it our Black Woman Power Series. Um, it's just a takeoff of Black Girl Magic. I'm just making us a little bit older. Um, so I'm excited today to have just a little older, just a little bit. I'm excited today to have um, a wonderful friend of mine, one of my um, girlfriends. That's what our text chain is called. Um, Jory Thibodeau. Jory, we are so excited to have you. Jory is also um, a great friend of mine from Chicago. So we got to give a shout out uh, to Chicago. So, Jory, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have you to tell your story. Um, I'll just do a little bit of an intro, Jory, if you don't mind. And then I'm going to have her um, tell her story. So, um, Jory, like many of you that are listening, started her career um, on the corporate side. Um, in a place that I know and love called the lovely land of uh, human resources. And um, Jory did a, did a shift, a reinvention, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about it. But um, the one word that I would use to describe it is um, inspiring. Jory has a multifaceted business um, that ranges from dance to um, agape development oasis here in uh, Minneapolis where um, she uh, and her husband support families. Um, and Jory also has um, a church community as well. And so I'm gonna let her tell you about all the things. Um, I think it once again, just uh, reinforces the power of human resource professionals. I, I, I think we can do pretty much anything. <laughs> that, that, that's, the, that's the takeaway that I am getting. So Jory, welcome, we're excited to have you. Um, so my first question for you to kick us off is just what does reinvention mean to you? Right. Well, thank you all for having me. It's so wonderful to be here with both of you all. Stephanie, yes, my dear girlfriend and um, Chi-Town Shaker. That's what I like to refer to <laughs> us as well. And, and now Julie, well, we, share, we shared this um, name that we have in common here. So we're going to figure that link. But thank you all for the work that you're doing also to share such passionate topics and inspiring stories with um, your listening audience. It's just brilliant. It is a brilliant, brilliant concept. So I'm happy to be a part of that. So thank you. Uh, Reinvention is something I'm so passionate about. 
because I think that we always have an opportunity to keep climbing, to keep creating, to keep uh, reinventing ourselves into what we really are supposed to be. And I often joke, you know, when I'm in my um, faith-based community, I say, well, if you have reached, you know, this ultimate land, this ultimate place, then you might as well just go on to heaven, right? Because you've reached this point that we all want to get to. So the reinvention process is something that I really recommend. We continue to um, look out because it re, if you think about the word re, it really means to make anew. That's what it right. is. Right. And if you think about inventions, they're really, it's a, it's a creative process that happens. You know, whether it's impacting whatever area you're in, you're creating something new that's meant to influence change. And so we get a chance to do that as amazing women is really take some steps back and assess like, where am I right now? What am I doing? Am I being led or called to be something else or, or do something different, not be something else. You need to be you all the time, but to do something different. That's awesome. Yes. And I do think that that concept of staying true to who you are as you become anew is really important. So I gave the highlights, Jory, but talk to us about your reinvention story. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, you started out talking about that corporate sector. Cause you know, if I just go back like 30 years ago, when we, you know, are in college and we're like, yes, I'm, I'm dedicated to what I'm going to do. I, I grew up with both of my parents are educators. Dad also is in So he um, has a musical background as well. I mean, he, he played bass for some of the greatest, Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, you name it. This man traveled and he came to a decision, a point in his life where he had to decide, was I going to continue music or was I going to stay home? Because now I have two young children. So he chose the other route, but we watched that growing up. And so, you know, as I started to really reflect about my life, there were so many qualities of him of being an educator, um, being committed to that, his musical and creative background, as well as his entrepreneurial spirit. Right. right? Um, which really, I believe some things are taught and some things are caught. And so we caught him doing that and living that on a daily basis. So when it was time for me to graduate from you know, college and you grow up saying, oh, I wanna be a teacher because that's what my parents were. No, I love to teach. I love to see people transform their lives. But really I was passionate about business um, and particularly helping people in the wonderful field of human resources. You couldn't have said that better, right? <laughs> so when I left Hampton, I... Um, worked for Household International, which is a finance company. I mean, you know, the genre of finance just spreads from credit card services to retail services to banking, um, you know, all sorts of things that deal with finance. And I was one of the youngest at the time who got recruited into a general management training program. Mm -hmm. So I had the opportunity to just travel all around for almost, you know, the first year and a half of my career there to all of our different facets around the country. Um, you get assigned, you know, an awesome executive mentor and you learn all of these things, but you're thrown into situations really to help you be resilient. So it's not that you have to know the depth of what you are um, learning or involved in, but learning how to take pieces, pull them together, gather data quickly, make decisions and implement projects or turn situations around. Um, so that first corporate career, you know, that first move was so pivotal uh, because it helped me to really see a lot of things, right? And explore things. So I was in that career for 11 years. I mean, 
I did everything from that to operations management. And then, you know, the latter stretch of my career was in human resources, whether it be in operations, pretty much ending with succession planning um, for the executives, the CEO and his direct reports for this company, this organization, which I still love and hold dear to my heart. Um, but there, there just came a moment during that career where I said, I need to have some balance. And I was starting to have children and start my family. And both my husband and I were growing pretty quickly up the corporate ladder at this point. Both of us were probably, I think, director levels, um, ready to make that next move. And we made that next move, that next leap up. And we said, all right, we're having a family. Both of us can't be, it wasn't our desire for both of us to be at this same level traveling so extensively at that time. Who's gonna be home with the kids? Um, and so when you talk about reinvention, it was, we made the decision for me to go part-time and then eventually I left and it was a deep move because here you are in this career that really starts to define who you are after 11 years, you've, you know, crushed ceilings and being the youngest and most often, you know, the only African-American female in the room. And so, you know, there's that weight of responsibility that says you got to stay here because you got to make room for others that are coming and encourage them along the way. So to make that decision to leave was really challenging um, because now I'm a stay at home mom, which is the most valuable assignment that I have on my life. You know, it's the most important role that I have right now. Um, and it was different. It was really different. And so, you know, that transition was important for all the rest of the things that happened after that, because, you know, when I got home, I started managing the drawers, you know, anything, <laughs> that, anything that could be managed. I was like, Wait, let's put this in order. He's like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this is got a whole nother level. We got to get you back into something. <laughs> the OCD comes from out of nowhere. You're oh like, this must be organized. Yes, yes, this is wrong. And we need to assess if this is not correct. How can it be better? And, you know, <laughs> that was our life. But, you know, during that time, um, while I was working, I was doing, you know, finance by day, but I was still teaching dance by night. So, yeah, so this whole 11 years at Household International traveling and doing all these things, I was still working um, with my passion for dance. And I think that that's so important as we're reinventing ourselves that we always link back to our passion mm -hmm. because that's where you get to, you know, create. Our minds weren't meant to just be containers. Our minds were really meant to create and release. And so it allowed me to have this very structured lifestyle during the day, but being able to create at night and release that passion and still help transform lives in a different capacity than what I was doing during the day. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's a balance, right? That's a balance, right? And, and we talk a lot about, you know, the power of, of side hustles. And um, I love that. I mean, the dance teaching at night, that is just such a beautiful thing that it, it really, I mean, you were able to keep, keep the energy, your own passions, your, you know, alive and be home with your kids. Like you wanted to during the day. Can you talk, Joy? I'm curious to know when, when you made the leap, when you, you and your husband decided, okay, one of us needs to be home 
in, and it's going to be me. And then you, you made that transition from, from corporate and working and traveling and going to being home and you started organizing drawers. Um, but can you talk a little bit more about what that transition would felt like for you? Um, and with your husband and just how the, how the dynamics, um, went for you. Absolutely. That was tough. You know, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier than it was, but I have to say, I was really blessed to have, um, my mentor sent me a beautiful card and said, I'm so proud of you for making that decision because it was something that she had a passion to do or wanted to do, but there was fear about what am I going to do? What does this mean for my new life? You know, I've built this successful corporate career. Um, and so her words during that, as a matter of fact, I still have that card years later because it was one of those moments that helped to solidify that I'd made the right decision. Mm-hmm. And while it was challenging because I'm trying to figure out what do I do now, right? How do I take all of this things that I loved and enjoyed? It wasn't that I was done or tired. I loved what I did, mm-hmm. um, but I knew that it was time to do something else. And so while it was challenging, I really had to sit with it for a moment, to be honest and figure out what my next move was going to be and be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm. Right. Right, because that's sometimes where the transformation takes place. We, we want everything to feel good, but a muscle is built from the inside out. For right? sure. We don't see results on the outs like, wow, I've been lifting these heavy weights and you know, <laughs> now I've got these big, beautiful defined arms. That transformation takes place first on the inside. So it's important that, you know, I kind of set with what was going on on the inside and dealt with any of those insecurities, dealt with any of those fears, dealt with my dreams. I had to give myself permission to dream again. Right, right. And what were those dreams, Jory? Yeah, because there's more to this story because you ended. (laughs) Oh, my God. side hustle became... It absolutely grew. So exactly. It was a side hustle. And um, my neighbor and I, who I actually used to train and dance with as young girls, um, we moved into what we thought was our dream home. And I think that part is important because, you know, sometimes when you're like, we're settled, we're in the great place. And we were in our dream home in Chicago and a friend called and said, have you met your neighbor? And I said, no, I haven't. And so I I went over and met the neighbor. And lo and behold, it's this woman who I danced with growing up. We trained together um, and danced. And she and I decided to open the first Christian dance studio in South Suburban Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so that became my transition. It was very clear, you know, leaving from a corporate sector into completely entrepreneurial, um, that spirit, that same thing that I caught my dad doing for years, mm-hmm. had the opportunity to build something absolutely beautiful and impactful in that community um, for those young people, those young dancers, those young boys that needed to see that and see that reflection of themselves being taught that skill was really important for us. And so that studio grew quickly. I mean, it was fast. <laughs> um, we were thriving. And then we got the call to move to Minnesota. <laughs> And um, that was a very challenging one because we are people of faith and the direction was very clear. The instruction was very clear that it was time for us to make a move and come help serve 
um, here in Minnesota. And so my husband's parents at that time, not only did they have the church, they also had three 24 hour childcare centers, as well as a crisis development center that helped people with domestic violence predominantly. And so we, we brought all of our corporate background. My husband was able, you know, he was in pharmaceutical sales at the time as an executive. So he was able to move. Um, and we moved here to Minnesota. And here's where this big switch happens into the world of nonprofit. And when I tell you, Stephanie and Julie, that was like eye-opening for me because I was used to being that corporation that walked into these nonprofits and here we are with our big check and here we are ready to roll up our sleeves and paint a room or, or clean out. And here I am now sitting on the other side of this going like, okay, where are the corporations, right? Where, where are the big checks that we need? Where, where's the help? that I need. And um, that was just a huge transition. Grateful for all of the corporate um, experience that I gained to be able to pour into the nonprofit now. Um, but it was certainly, it certainly came with lots of challenges. Because you were running multiple centers. Right. Yes. Across the Twin Cities. Right. Yeah. One in St. Paul and two in North Minneapolis. Okay. And then we also had the crisis intervention component. So providing groups to men, women, and children who were impacted by domestic violence. And we know domestic violence comes with lots of things, right? It's never just one thing. So you're doing a lot of resource linkage for um, people to help them, one, exit out of that situation, but two, there's first that realization that I am in this unhealthy relationship. And is there a way out? So a lot of the work that we still do is, yes, there's a way out and let us help you through it whether it's financial literacy, whether it's safe housing and stability, uh, whether it's job search, um, resume skill development as well. And then one thing we all know is that if abuse is taking place in the home, like I said, someone's observing it. Mm -hmm. And so as opposed to just treating the victim or just treating the abuser, we also provide services to the children because they either become the abused, the victim, or they become the abuser in school because they're acting out from what they've seen at home. Gotcha. So our model allows us to integrate those two. If we have children that are in the child care center that are impacted by it, we can provide services to them through our uh, crisis center as well. So Jory, when you, when you were, um, so you're in Chicago, you have this successful dance company and your call to move to Minneapolis was because of, of this, this family business. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what, what was, was there even a hesitation? Was it just like, okay, we're, we're doing this. What, what was that process like for, for you? Oh, and your there, there was more hesitation initially on my husband's side, you know, mm -hmm. you know, he'd grown up here. So he's like, I know what this looks like. I know what we'll be coming back into, um, you know, the responsibility of it, the challenges in Minnesota. We've lived all over the place, but Minnesota can be a different place to acclimate into. For sure. Um, yeah. So, so he knew. And so it took us about, after we got the call to come, it took us about a year before we made that final transition 
um, you know, waiting for the appropriate time for the children, schooling and all of those things, selling our home in, in Chicago and, you know, taking care of some of those loose ends that needed to happen. So that transition was a really big deal because here we are moving with two young children. Yeah. And I'm leaving senior parents. My parents were, you know, 10 to 12 years older than his parents. Mm -hmm. And what happened with the dance company? We closed it down. So my business partner, um, you know, she was a medical doctor by day. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I know, interesting. So here we are both with these, you know, careers that we're doing. And then we come and pour into in the evening. So we did close that down. You know, we're grateful for the time that we spent and the lives that we touched and the family that we built there um, was just, you know, so heartwarming. We'll never forget that time. So that did close. And she opened a wellness center, actually. Uh, oh. So a bit of an extension from the work that was being done there. And how was your transition in moving to Minnesota? You've had to reinvent yourself a lot of times, right? I I mean, even just a a move is personally and professionally. I mean, that's. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you probably once every quarter, I meet a woman who had some of the same challenges that I did in moving here to Minnesota. Um, the, The culture here is very different. Uh, the makeup is very different here as well in, in Minnesota. And so it was really challenging initially because I was looking for that same circle that I had back in Chicago. And what I didn't realize is that there was some separation that was needed from the circle that I had in Chicago to begin to establish and do some of the things that needed to be done in the nonprofit you know, just being really honest, there was a lot of work that we were able to accomplish in those first couple of years. And had I had Steph in my life in that time, I think I would have wanted to hang out with her more <laughs> than, um, you know, not only with the nonprofit development, but really pursuing the call of ministry, right? And traveling the path now of, you know, now being a pastor. I would have wanted to, you know, be sitting down and going shopping and doing all these wonderful things with these beautiful group of girlfriends that I had now, but there was some separation that was needed so that I could redefine, right? As I'm reinventing, redefine who I was becoming and what God was calling me to do. And to be honest with you, you know, in my prayer time, he's like, if I wanted you to have the same circle you had in Chicago, I would have left you there. (laughs) Right. But it's so hard. I did when I first moved here, I did the same thing. I, you know, I am from the southern suburbs of Chicago, which is a very diverse place. I mean, growing up, I grew up with friends that were all the things. And, you know, actually the the southern suburbs became much more predominantly African-American as I grew older. So to go from kind of that environment to come here where um, as African-Americans, we are extraordinarily in the minority, um, is it's a culture shock. And so I too spent most of my time going back and forth every weekend to Chicago to get my hair done, see my friends. And yes. it makes it really hard to build a new family here when you're constantly you know, on the two o'clock flight back because, you know, Delta has a flight back to Chicago every hour on the hour, no problem. So Jory, how did, so pastor. Yes. 
the dance people. Talk to me about both of those because friends, she's not done reinventing. (laughs) She's not done. I'm exhausted. Just, just trying to stay with her in the story, but tell me now, because the dance people pastor, how did those two come to be? So, you know, this is, I want to share a story that was really interesting. So here we are, you know, 150% 150% into, um, you know, my nonprofit role. And every once in a while, I would get a call, I go do a workshop someplace, someone here in Minnesota would say, wait a minute, you, you know, we, we've heard about you and the things that you've done in Chicago or places that you've traveled outside of Chicago with this dance piece, would you be open to coming to do um, a workshop with us? So I was still then, you know, kind of getting this piece fulfilled. And I have a beautiful young daughter and I was looking for a place for her to dance. And we were very challenged in finding a place that continued to offer quality dance instruction if you weren't pursuing the route of competition. Hmm. Very different here. I mean, competition in Minnesota is on a whole different level in every area that you really, you know, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, right? And so um, we did find a place in St. Paul that we absolutely loved. It was just really far. Yeah. So then we found a place here in Wyzetta that looked almost exact. I mean, to the T of the program that we had in Chicago. The only difference is that Corey was the only little brown girl in her class. Mm-hmm. And every you know day, you spend hours going to a dance studio, and you know she had no clue. But here I was thinking, wow, you know, at some point she's going to this light bulb's going to go off for her that okay, I can't wear the same shades of makeup that they wear, or my body looks a little bit different from the side and the mm-hmm. mirror reflection than some of the other beautiful girls that I'm dancing with. And so I was watching that and having this passion to build dance again here in the Twin Cities, but I just was like, I can't find the capacity to do it. Like I didn't know where that capacity would come from. And so I did a summer program here just to kind of test the market. And within, it was really like really quick. I said, we're gonna launch this thing in three weeks. We had about 55 kids signed up and they were all beautiful little brown children we had, you know, we had, it was a, it was a pretty diverse camp, but the majority were b- beautiful little brown children. And I said, okay, there's a need here. There's a market here for it um, to be able to do that. And so that, that was kind of that first dabble into it here in Minnesota. But I remember my husband making a comment to someone. He said, my wife is dying. <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> what does that mean? You didn't talk to me about this before we talked to someone else. But he saw that there was this piece of creativity, this passion, you know, this love, the infinity towards dance wasn't being fulfilled. And he said, my wife is dying because she's pouring everything into her business right now, you know, the nonprofit business, I should say, but she's missing this component that brings her more life, that allows her to be more productive, to allows her to be more creative, even in Agape Oasis and not having that. So he goes out and he starts looking for studio space and he comes back and he's like, I've got three places that I want to take you to. Chris. Oh my gosh. Love it. I love this guy. I, I love mean, this guy. Such a keeper. You know, they say it's cheaper to, you know, keep her, right? It's cheaper <laughs> to keep him, right? Um, but 
I share that story because the reinvention process, it does start with you internally, but you need people around you who are going to catch a hold of your dream, catch a hold of your vision, speak into you or speak that life back into the vision or the dream that you have. And who are going to kind of be that wind beneath your wings to say, don't give up, don't stop going. You know, this is something that can happen. Right. We just might have to reevaluate some things. So, I mean, but I needed that light, just that match, just, and as soon as he did that, it's amazing how I found hours in the day, right? <laughs> right? So, you know, here I am, you know, working days, sometimes working from the studio, holding classes, hiring teachers, building culture, um, you know, doing all of these pieces. And I, I asked myself, what would, what, why all of these things? Because sometimes when you talk, it's like, it feels like you're doing a lot of stuff. Like, oh my gosh, you're leading a nonprofit. You're, you have the dance people. And now lo and behold, the Lord has called you into ministry and you pastor a great church in Minneapolis. You know, how are you going to do all of these things? But the way I look at it, it's kind of like an orange. If you squeeze an orange, Julie and Stephanie, what's going to come out of the orange? Orange juice. But there's no juice that comes out until we apply, apply pressure into the orange. Right. But what's in the orange is what's going to come out. <laughs> and so sometimes we've got to have a little bit of pressure, not damaging pressure, but just a little bit of pressure on us to squeeze all of those amazing things that are on the inside of us. And from that orange, we make orange juice. We make a fruit salad. We make, you know, martinis. You know, all of these things come out of what's inside of the orange. You name it. You're making citrus peel for the skin. Right. There's so many things that come out of that orange. And I had to find resolution with that is that there are all these different components of me that are here to influence lives, help people transition and continue to reinvent themselves. And I've got to just be this willing vessel to take the pressure and do it. I love that. I do too. I, I love, okay, seriously. I mean, the fact that your husband was able to sort of see that, that, that piece was dying in you. I mean, that is just, we just have to hold that for a moment. Cause that yes. really is a beautiful, beautiful, um, gift. And I think, you know, it, it speaks to the importance, like you said, of, of having partners, friends, um, people in your circle who can really, who really know you and really can kind of shake you sometimes and say, Hey, you're not yourself. You're, you're stressed out all the time. What, what are you, what are you missing? And like my, I mean, like my friends who know me, Steph being one of them, you know, from the question for me is, are you writing? Are you writing, Julie? And cause I know I can get all up and busy with modern well and my kids and everything. And, and, but that, that juice, that, that is my writing. And, you know, like for you, you know, the dance and, and I think that, um, what do you, what would you say to people though, that, that I feel like a lot of us get in that space where we feel like we're just tapped, right? We're, we're working crazy. We've got, you know, kids who need us, partners, you know, and, and we feel pressure, right? But we don't feel the kind of pressure that you're talking about that, that kind of, releases the juice, right? That, that we can get to the, the good stuff in us. It's just pressure. And how, how would you advise people or sort of lead people to, to getting, allowing themselves to have that space to, to find the goodness and the gifts um, inside of us to share with others? 
when we, when we might feel that there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I always like to think of it this way that anything and everything is possible, right? And that, that space in between our ears, our brains are so powerful. And, and if we can fuel our belief system, and I think that is just a, such a, a, a huge component, like, you know, those that think they can and those that think they cannot are both correct. Mm -hmm. It's what they believe that really leads them down the path of what they manifest. And so I do think, I love that question that you asked because there, 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 there's a difference between pressure and stress. Yes. And I personally know, you know, the impact of stress leads to sickness. That's what happened to me physically in my body with the breast cancer and the Crohn's disease. You'll, you'll never be able to convince me that those two things did not come from stress. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the stress is different from pressure. Pressure is meant to, you know, when pressure is applied to, to um, a diamond, doesn't become a diamond until this pressure. Yeah. to it. And yeah. so we have to remember to give ourselves permission to care for ourselves, give ourselves permission to dream again, and give yourself permission, space and time to put plans to the dreams. Okay, so now you've got goals, you've got plans, and give yourself permission to say this didn't go okay. And reflect on what do I need to do to do different, to, you know, to have a different outcome. And I think when we start allowing ourselves that permission, it gives us space to grow. It gives us space to reinvent. It gives us time to say, I'm going to dedicate this, whatever this time is for writing, because Julie knows the gift of writing on the inside of her is really going to cause other people to reinvent, right? And it's using the platform and the gift that God's given you to cause change in the world. Yeah, right. And so, right. you know, there, there are a couple of models that I, I keep on the forefront is one cast not a, a, your confidence away, cast not away your confidence ever because it has great reward mm -hmm. and confidence is different from cocky. Yeah. Right. Confidence is really relying on all of the successes that you've had in the past that you can bring forward into what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Another one that really saves me in this space that we're talking about is that I have absolutely nothing to prove only to share. And that, that keeps me grounded. I have nothing to prove to anyone. You know, I can remember being in my corporate careers and just, I was proving a lot. Mm -hmm. Every day walking in the door, it was like, I've got to prove that I'm competent. I've got to prove that I may be young, but I'm fierce. Don't mess with me. I've got to prove that I know what I'm doing. I've got to prove that I can carry this project forward. I've got, you know, there's all, there was always this level of proving, but I can sit back and rely on that confidence, right? Not casting away my confidence because it has great reward. I was able to achieve some things and I can bring those forward with me and saying, if I did this in that environment, certainly I can do this in this environment. But in this environment, I'm giving myself permission not to prove anything to anyone. Whatever I give, whatever I do is a gift. And it's a gift to be able to share it with someone. And those two things save me. Yes, Jory, your um, light and your beauty inside and out are um, were a gift in Chicago and they are a gift here in the Twin Cities. Um, the work that you are doing between um, being a pastor and the work at Agape and the work at the dance people is um, phenomenal work for our community. 
Um, and for the African-American community, you are, like I said, a beacon of light and a, an example for my daughters, uh, for your daughter, for your daughters, Jules. And so we appreciate so much you sharing your story with us and our listeners. Um, there's so much wonderful in what we heard from you. I think uh, permission is a big one. Um, and I think women, we don't always give ourselves permission to dream, um, permission to do, to, permission to focus on ourselves. And so thank you for um, opening up that door um, for us to do that, to give ourselves permission um, and to move away from the proving, moving away from proving. That is amazing. We are excited to have you in our Black Woman series here for uh, Black History Month. Jory, thank you so much. Um, and uh, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed uh, this time uh, with Julie and I and Jory. And uh, we look forward to even more uh, wonderful stories coming up in our future episodes. Thank you so much, Jory. Thank you. All right, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of hernextchapter.co. You can follow us on Instagram at hernext.chapter. And you can find all of our lovely, fun, fabulous podcasts on all those places where podcasts can be found. Please follow us and give us five stars. We'd be so delighted and tickled. And we hope that you are enjoying your time with us. Last but not least, hernextchapter.co. You can check us out there as well. See you next week.